right. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Alfalfa uh, from the Little Rascals. I have a frog in my throat. If you harken back to those days of old, uh, I know I like the old black and white versions of Little Rascals. Hey, Andy, how about you? You were you you seem like you might have been like an '80s remake Little Rascals. No, I, I appreciate them for what they were, but you know all those like older older shows like i watched them in reruns for a little bit but the only one i ever really like actually enjoyed i think was leave it to beaver that was kind of a fun one the rest of them are a little bit uh you know they, they wore their welcome quickly for me but you sound you sound good Dave. you sound good i i feel i sound well i don't know if if sounding <laughs> is how i feel we'll i guess we'll see i'm gonna work through this andy because i'm committed to this security sprint but andy before we get into the sprint and again it is a sprint so we got to go fast yeah. so we're going to open this up I know you're an Eagles fan. I know you had a family connect, you know, connection last night. Uh, I don't want to talk about that because I was happy that the Eagles lost. I <laughs> want to talk about what's more important. Did you see the news from you two? So, so yeah. So the Eagles chiefs, great game. Won't talk about it. My son was disappointed. I was disappointed for him. Not, not the main focus today. The U2 piece. Yeah. Huge news, right? You want to share about what that was? Yeah, so it looks like U2 is heading to Vegas, right? They're going to take up a little bit of a residency, a la a little bit of uh, Elvis Presley, Celine Dion. You know, all the great acts are at at, uh, at Vegas, and they're going to take up residency. This has been rumored for some time, but U2, I think, is one of, if not our favorites, it's, it's, it's at the very top of our list. We did our podcast uh, a little while ago, Andy, about our top five U2 albums, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But I am excited. I'm ready to get more information. I'm ready to go to Vegas for many reasons, but also to watch U2. Yeah, well, may maybe, you know, one, that, that podcast is almost two years old now. So I went back and listened to it because I was curious what we said, and we were pretty good on that one, I think. But, but you know, maybe we'll have a, a live uh, security sprint from Vegas as we enjoy the, uh, the, the premier band of, of our growing up time. But anyway, Dave, we're cutting into our time here. We've yes. got a lot to cover. You're right. It's always exciting. Super Bowl's always exciting. We won't talk about referees. Let's jump into throwing other flags. Do you want to start us off or am I? I I'll, st I'll start us off, Andy. Right. I don't know. This is a little bit outside of the week uh, view, but it was still important. Uh, on the 6th of February, Purdue University has been doing some opening of tickets for some of their basketball games. And they had a long line. They are, or I think they were at most recently, the number one team in the country. Uh, they had a long line of people uh, trying to get tickets and, and they had things, you know, promotions, golden tickets, students who get the golden tickets. Think about all the different ways you want to drum up support. The problem was that their crowd control and ticket issues, um, issues ran into a couple problems. What resulted was not that big of a of an impact, but two two students were treated for injuries, um, and and this, uh, the the uh, university did say that crowd management should have been much better, uh, and going more towards shifting towards electronic tickets in the future. All that said, all I could think about Andy was Astro World November of 2021. We had everyone wants to say about the crowd surge issue, but they'll also hearken into that same uh, event. They had access security issues. They had people hopping over uh, fences. They were breaking down barriers. They were cramming and rushing into the other areas. I don't know if you saw the waste management open in Phoenix at the same time. And they, you know, they have this crazy 16th hole where at, at a certain, when they open the gates, everybody runs to the 16th hole that reeks of 
you know, crowd issues and injuries and and potential problems. We we've seen this in several incidents. The Astro World that was ten people were injured, not necessarily from the access issues. Those stem from the uh, crowd surge issues. But all of these things together, it's February. We're not too far away. All the summer events have already been planned. Security professionals, this is the time to start looking at your access procedures, start rehearsing those access procedures, start talking through these incidents. It was two people in an incident, but that was a small number compared to what maybe 20, 30, 40,000 people at an outdoor venue to watch your favorite band or artist perform. So that's my opening salvo, Andy. What do you think on that front? Yeah, I think it's a great topic. It's a really important issue, and it's not limited to sporting events by any means. You know, you just had concerts. Right. We can all think back to the tragedy in Astro World. We can think to the Halloween crush in in Korea. Um, you know, these 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 can happen anywhere, right? And it could be it could be the place of worship. Just having a big you know concert performance there as they bring in you know headline worship bands or others, and you know, these could happen anytime. And sort of crowd management, crowd control, safety and security really have to be a part of the planning process in all special events. I just want to say, I mean, I think from a, for security, when you bring up some really key points, um, I just want to sort of promote a school I'll be teaching at later this month and into early March. I have the, the privilege of volunteering with the International Association of Venue Managers. And every year we, we meet up for a week and, and provide training at the Academy for Venue Safety and Security. This year, we're going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was a big part of the focus out there. I'm actually hosting a joint session on opening night, speaking to the topic of, of crowd uh, control, crowd management. I'll be having dis discussion education throughout the week um, as we go through. It's, it's a very important topic to security leaders across all types of venues, sports facilities, concerts, places of worship, any large gathering, special events, you know, major uh, conference events. It's just an important topic. I'm really glad you brought it up. There's a lot to learn and understand in that space. You've had uh, Dr. Tamara Harold on your podcast before. She's a great resource as well. And so I'm really glad you're bringing that up. We'll share some links to include AVSS, but it's, it's an important topic. I'm glad you're raising that one. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who listen to Nerd Out, you'll know Joe Levy is a, one of our regular uh, panelists on, on Nerd Out, and he's very well connected to IAVM, does a lot of great work on them. Uh, so please, you you know, open up those podcasts. A lot of the things we talk about is venue management, access management, a lot of those things. So great, great call outs, Andy. So my round one is done, Andy. What about your round one? What's your opening topic? So, so we're going to stick in the physical realm, I think, to start things out this week. And I want to talk about a couple of arrests last week, um, specifically in, in the state of Maryland, my, my neighbor to the north here, and a couple of, a couple was charged with uh, plans to attack Maryland power facilities. I just want to read a couple of lines from our government partners there. Uh, I think a lot of folks probably saw this, certainly saw it if you, if you get our Daily Sun, but just, just to quote a little bit from the, the, the FBI, Department of Justice, Driven by their ideology of racially motivated hatred, the defendants allegedly schemed to attack local power grid facilities, again, in the state of Maryland. Uh, the Justice Department will not tolerate those who threaten critical infrastructure and imperil communities in the name of domestic violent extremism. That's uh, the Assistant Attorney General for National Security, Matthew G. Olson. I want to share a couple more comments. This alleged planned attack threatened lies and would have left thousands of Marylanders in the cold and dark. Uh, we are united and committed to using every legal means necessary to disrupt violence, including hate-fueled attacks. That's U.S. Attorney uh, Eric L. Barron of the District of Maryland. And there's a few other good quotes in there. We'll include the Justice Department's announcement as well as a couple of related links on the attackers. But what I want to talk about here, Dave, is you know earlier this, well, last year, as it was last summer, uh, you played a, a lead role in coordinating our team, a number of uh, ISAC and ISAL partners, looking at some extremist propaganda, right? The hard reset document. 
And this is what they were calling for, right? They were talking for a tax on critical infrastructure, specifically on electrical infrastructure, among other sectors. And we, we wrote some uh, limited distribution reports on that, shared that out. And um, we can discuss that more. You had some podcasts, I think, talking about that as well. I think it's a really important issue. Any, any thoughts on your end about that? Yeah, yeah, it's really, really important issue. And, and this is the thing that I think so many people were overly focused on at the time of the hard reset is they, they said this is an immediate crisis area. This immediately they're going to see a rise in attacks and spike in attacks and spikes in incidents. And then after the first two or three months, they, they go back to business as usual. This is not business as usual. These people latch on uh, these individuals. And I'm glad you brought up this this arrest because I saw it too. And I was just thinking back to that report, but they, they'll, they'll, they'll read that report. They'll spend some time uh, stewing about it. They'll, they'll talk about it. They'll see other people carrying out these incidents and then they'll plan and prepare for their own attack. So this doesn't surprise me at all, Andy. I think we'll continue to see these type of things. And frankly, the, the success of some of these um, attacks that we saw at the end of last year, 2022, um, are going to probably embolden some others to continue to say, hey, these are not as impenetrable as I had once thought. Look at the impact that I that could cause. Uh, I'm going to try to do something different. So great call out there, Andy, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I think it's just important to, to recognize that, you know, these these propaganda, these these uh, sanctifications of, of attackers, you know, I think we saw this last week, right? While easy to dismiss for many, it only takes one or two individual actors to get inspired and to reach out and conduct some kind of hostile event. I mean, as we're talking about this today, right now uh, in New York City, the trial is going on for a terrorist incident that took place in New York City a few years ago, Islamic State-inspired attack, um, possible death penalty in that case. And today there was a, a vehicle ramming incident in downtown New York City. Not sure if it's related, but it just shows the potential for inspired, copycat, and motivated attacks like this. And whether it's you know foreign terrorist organizations or domestic bond extremists, these threats have to be taken seriously. I had a chance to talk with Brian Harrell at the end of last year in my Gay 15 interview in December. I'll share the link for that. Great leader uh, focusing on electric security today and uh, really some, some great thoughts from his on preparedness, on threats, on, on risk management. So we'll share that link as well. But it's important folks to appreciate these threats, understand these threats. If you're, if you're a security leader and you have questions about that hard reset document, reach out to us. And we can um, connect you to that document that we wrote back last summer. Dave did a great job there. You did a great job, Dave. Thanks for that. And I'll pause there. There's other things we want to cover. So Dave, back to you. Great. Thank you, Andy. I really well, uh, well said. So uh, moving to round two. So let's go back and, and look, we'll take a little bit of a mulligan here. And uh, but I think we probably warned everybody that just because the numbers in 2022 for ransomware were lower than normal, let's not get complacent on that. And boom, here you go. Just as we say that a lot of news is coming out, Andy, recently. Uh, I want to call out one report that talks to the retail sector, but then I also want to call out some additional uh, reports uh, that were recently sent out around from CISA uh, talking to some of this as well. So this is in Black Frog, and this is just talking about the retail sector ransomware attacks grow by 67% in 2022. So just read you a little of that. When it came 
to ransomware in 2022. Data from our state of ransomware report showed that the retail sector ransomware attacks experienced a massive 67% increase over 2021. So again, didn't speak directly to 2022, but from 2021 to 2022, there was 67% increase. Now, mind you, we should all put that in the context of what it was from 2020 to 2021, in which it was 233%. Uh, increase. Still a tremendous, unbelievable number when you think about it there. Um, also in this report, Europe was the most targeted region with 30% of all publicly disclosed retail attacks, closely followed by the UK and US. Somebody may say, hey, the UK is in Europe, but let's just be mindful that we're talking about two different things here. When we talk about Europe being, um, we, let's not forget about Brexit. I'll just say that. Um, so then I want to talk about um, a recent CISA report, these came out late last week um, to highlight the ongoing ransomware activity against the healthcare and public health sector, as well as against other critical infrastructure sector entities. So this particular uh, warning provides an overview of North Korea's state-sponsored ransomware uh, and updates the July 2022 joint CSA uh, which talks about North Korean state-sponsored cyber actors use Maui ransomware to target the healthcare and public health sector. Um, it, it, the, the advisory continues to pull out all the good things that CISA does well, talks about the TTPs, talks about the IOCs that um, or uh, indicators of compromise, mind you, and TTPs being tactics, techniques, and procedures that these set, uh, cyber actors use to gain access to and conduct ransomware attacks against these sectors. A again, I know it's the healthcare sector, Andy, but really it applies to everybody. This, these are things that really need to go across uh, boundaries. And if you don't, if you aren't feeling it, maybe you're not looking hard enough because there are actors out there always looking for easy prey. And if you're not doing your due diligence here, taking the necessary precaution steps, you're going to be a victim. So with that, Andy, I know you have a lot to say on this. So what do you what do you have? I, I do. So first, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to challenge you on that. One. I'm, I'm not going to accept them all again, to be honest. I, I think we okay. kind of nailed okay. the hole in one on that one, because while we acknowledge that there was you know, a decrease in, in attack, I think we've, we've, we've kept hitting that drum that there's the threat is still very real, very present, and we've got to address. I'll be speaking on this a little bit uh, tomorrow on, on a webinar that we've been uh, promoting in our links. We'll share that again tomorrow in case somebody hears us before um, that starts. Excited about doing that with our friends recorded future. But to the point of the ransomware instance you just brought up, and we've been talking about VMware um, since about a week and a half now. And, you know, just on the threat of ransomware broadly, and we'll share links for, you know, the items you just mentioned, as well as um, VMware and, and other recent uh, incidents in, in the show notes. Um, I had the, the frustration, the challenge of disappointment. Um, uh, I received a phone call from one of our uh, supported organizations uh, late Friday, and, and they're unfortunately dealing with VMware uh, ransomware right now. And it's disappointing for them. It's frustrating for them, right? They were aware of the threat, you know, not going to get into the weeds of, you know, what happened, what didn't happen and why. But um, reality is they're now dealing with an incident. It's difficult for them at many levels. A number of questions we're trying to figure out about, you know, exactly what's happening there, but it's it's difficult to deal with that. Um, spoke to another colleague, um, a, a related organization, um, similar similar uh, sector, and you know they they saw the alerts that we sent out uh, two Fridays ago, immediately checked their systems, 
identified what issues they had, took any corrective actions. I don't know if they had taken any corrective actions, to be honest with you, but they, they, they acknowledged to me that, hey, we've, we've looked at this, we've addressed this, we're good to go, right? And so it's just understanding that the threat is very real, that when certain alerts come out and there are those foot stomping moments, something like this we've been talking about for the last 10 days, you've got to do your checks, you've got to make your updates, you've got to patch your systems, you've got to take things offline if you need to, but you've got to be ready. And, and we're still struggling to get all organizations to embrace that fully. Now, I understand there's a lot of complicating factors, a lot of things that need to be made. At the end of the day, you don't want to be that victim. And, and, and right now, today, there's a lot of victims, you know, going through some, some difficult issues relating to the VMware ransomware right now. So I want to just acknowledge uh, uh, Lawrence Abrams uh, at Bleepin' Computer, reached out to him with a question. Uh, Lawrence and I were kind of exchanging a couple notes and uh, he's a, you know, very generous with his time to, to do that. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate his leadership and all that his team does. But there's a real threat. Again, we'll share links to the current threats, related threats, some of the things you just mentioned, but you know, you've got to take ransomware seriously. I'll share the webinar link and I think you probably catch that recording if you don't get to see it live on Valentine's Day. Dave, thanks. Great topic, important topic. Yeah, yeah, and I've signed up for that uh, that webinar as well, Andy. I'm excited to hear you and and record a future go through this. That's a great organization. I'm glad you can get wrapped into that. So, Andy, that was my second topic. Would you do you want to look at that as your second topic too, or do you have something else for us? Well, let's stay with cyber. I think there's a really good report I'd like to touch on. You know, there's a few a few go to uh, places we always encourage folks to check out. And we frequently reference in these podcasts and others. You know, one subscribe for our daily Gay Fifteen Sun. Two, subscribe for Catalan Sampanu and his uh, Risky Business newsletter. We'll, we'll share from that here in a minute. Um, but, but three, sign up for the Cybersecurity 202. Great resource. Tim Starks and his colleagues provide a daily five days a week update. Always timely and interesting content in there. And I want to share from the one they distributed earlier today on the 13th of February is making this recording. And they pulled from a recent report from the Bipartisan Policy Center. Um, the report just came out, I think... Uh, yesterday it was released, and it's top risks in cybersecurity for 2023. And there's a lot of 2023 reports, you know, forward-looking. I think this one hit some really interesting areas, right? So I want to just go down the, the quick bullet list of top identified risks, just to sort of get those in people's heads thinking about this. And again, we'll share the links. You can go and grab this report yourself, as well as the Cybersecurity 202's comments on it. But the top risks, evolving geopolitical environment. We see this with Russia. We see this with China. We've been talking about blended threats for a long time, the complexities of physical to cyber and cyber to physical, natural hazards and so forth. Important topic, important to understand our interconnected environment today. That first item just really brings that home to me. Accelerating cyber arms rates is the second item. Number three, global economic headwinds. Number four, overlapping, conflicting, and subjective regulations. Number five, lagging corporate governance. Lack of investment, preparedness, and resilience. That's one of our favorite points to make, right? And we're here to help you with that preparedness and resilience. It's so important to have those plans, do the training, have the exercise, make sure that you're able to do what you think you're supposed to do so you're not reacting frantically when the incident comes. Another one, vulnerable infrastructure. And the last one here that we'll, we'll list off, talent scarcity. And I'll tell you what, I'm not sure how much scarcity there is versus how much we need to get the right people in the right jobs and empower them to do what they need to do, right? There, there, there is a challenge in hiring. There's also a lot of great resources out there, especially right now, we're seeing so many uh, laid off in the tech industry. So a, a good report, a thorough report. There's a one-page infographic, a deeper dive actual report. We'll share the link with the, the post about it. We'll share the 202 link. Worth checking out, worth understanding that. Thanks to Tim Starks and Vanessa for flagging that item in today's 202. Good product, good update. Dave? Yeah, uh, yeah, great. I, I've got a lot. Oh, gosh. The you sound good, man. You really sound good, to yeah. me yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> let me get, uh, get in the swing of things here. 
<laughs> um, a couple things that, you know, the, the talent scarcity is something that I, I, it's, it's something I really focus in on and try to, to go into, because as much as you say, like, we need the right people in the right jobs, organizations also need to like invest in those individuals. Once you get them there, there's going to be a level, like if you want them to get to that next level, you've got to invest in them. And I think there's a good balance there, but great points. I love the 202, read it. I'm a regular subscriber as well. And we'll definitely capture those uh, in the notes. But Andy, we've done our two rounds. So now we have one last uh, catch-all to see if we got anything else to add uh, for this sprint of a podcast. And I'll start with just one, and it kind of bleeds off of the, the first thing that you mentioned on there about geopolitical situations ongoing. On the 24th, which is a little over, or a little less than two weeks away, 24th of February of last year was the uh, Russian invasion in Ukraine. Obviously, there's been a lot of things going on recently about that. We should expect that there would be increased activity around that time. Whether that happens or not, we don't know, but we should be prepared, uh, which is speaking again to all of Andy's points that he's been bringing up. We really need to look at, are we are we just as you know, forward leaning as we just are as, as defensive as we were last December or last February when this occurred, uh, because while Russia was not as, I guess, their their cyber capabilities were not as strong as as we thought or the impacts, that doesn't mean that they won't try again. And we need to be on guard. So I'll just end my wrap up with that, Andy. What do you got? Yeah, I think that's a great one. You know, we, we didn't get into, you know, numerous uh Aerial items shot down in recent days flying over the United States, right? But those geopolitical tensions, the Russia invasion anniversary, another nod to Darth Putin uh, Twitter account. It's a fun one to follow, very snarky there. But there, there's a lot going on, right? And then seeing what's happening with the China and the US is also interesting. Dave, I've got a quick bullet list. I'm just going to fly through here because there's there's a lot to cover. No enough time for all of it. But one, I mentioned uh, Callum Sopanu's newsletter, uh, the, the one he released uh, on Sunday, February 12th. Very interesting discussion on the Russian government exploring the possibility of absolving Russian patriotic hackers from criminal liability for attacks carried out in the interest of the Russian Federation. I think Russia has been doing this already. This is just making it more blatant and I think really more of a threat and saber rattling uh, to the U.S. and others. So an interesting write-up that Catalan has there. We'll share the link for that. When I just hit a couple of quick, I'll really name the titles and, and we'll share the links for them. On January 17th, Group IB released uh, their big report, uh, the high-tech crime trend 2022-2023. A lot of good information in that report. Uh, good to check out. Interesting perspective. Another interesting item, the Wall Street Journal uh, last week that had a title, Insurers say cyber attack that hit Merck was a warlike act and not covered. Interesting, right? We talk about geopolitical events. We talk about the complexity of cybersecurity, cyber insurance. Jen talked about this last week on the roundtable. We've got to think about these things, how they play out in our environments. Just a couple more real quick and interesting report from Black Cloak talking about a surge in doxing and swatting threats uh, aimed at corporate executives. Important to think about, important to understand. A great uh, item from Graphica talking about deep fakes and, and how increasingly sophisticated they are and their ability to manipulate and influence individuals. Um, I think, Dave, I think that's the last one I'm going to cover. I will share all those links. I think they're all worth checking out. If you've got a few minutes, just at least scan through them. Just be aware of the evolving threat environment and those things happening around us. That's a lot. I know we're running short on time. Dave, I'll stop there. 
Gosh, there's so many great uh, comments there, Andy, because there are so many articles that I went through that I was like, should we bring this one up? Should we bring this up? So I, I appreciate you calling those out at the end of here uh, every week to be able to, to try to wrap up some. This is a sprint. We can only cover so much, but we hope you got those. Uh, again, we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we've got a great listener base, and, and we encourage you all to listen to the whole suite of Gate 15 podcasts, to include Andy Jabor's Gate 15 interview, Jennifer Lynn Walker's Cybersecurity Evangelist, my Nerd Out panel discussion, um, as well as the Risk Roundtable podcast, in addition to this weekly podcast, the Security Sprint. So with that, everyone, I will... Uh, wish you all good luck this week. We will catch up with you next week. We will be publishing next week, even with the holiday. Andy, you have a preference on on Washington's birthday or President's birthday? If uh, I think now, you know, Washington's birthday is the only acceptable response to that question, I'm going to entertain other nonsensical responses. Andy's got a long history with uh, Washington versus President's Day uh, weekend. With that, though, everyone, we bid you adieu. Thank you all. <laughs>